when she said those words to me, it cut so deep because now I have an avenue and window into what this all means to my wife. So the guilt that I felt that I had started to feel because of how I mishandled that first one just deepened and magnified when she said those words to me because I wasn't able to cultivate an environment for her during the first one where she felt loved and appreciated and and respected and all of that. And so now that I'm feeling this, I almost felt guilty for feeling something. What gives me the right to feel something now? Is it because I had that stupid dream? And so now that that stupid dream didn't become a reality, now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, woe is me. This is her second time. This is the Miscarriage Dads Podcast podcast humanizing the experience of miscarriage by normalizing dads openly talking about its impact on us as men and fathers. Welcome to another episode of the Miscarriage Dads podcast. My name is Kelly and I'm your host. My name is Chris. I'm your co-host. And we are so thankful that you have chosen to come back and hang out with us during another episode of Two Dads who are talking about and sharing our experiences of how early pregnancy loss has impacted us. And so here at the Miscarriage Dads podcast, what we're trying to do is normalizing the, well, humanizing the experience of miscarriage by normalizing dads openly talking about its impact on us as fathers. And so we thank you for coming along this journey with us. This is episode three. And if you've stuck with us for these first three episodes, you are the true MVP. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Chris, what's going on, man? How you doing? Good, man. I'm good. I am I'm feeling a little better. I'm getting over my cold for the most part. It's still there just a little bit, but just a little tinges. I, I hear it just slightly, it just slightly, but you sounding yeah. good, man. It gives you, I don't know if, if the same thing happens for you, but when I get a cold, my voice deepens a little bit and I'm like, you know, I don't mm-hmm. mind being sick for a little bit longer. Just cause, just a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're right. It does. It does deepen. It gets that nice, good, like, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Where you just like, you, you, yeah, you're talking all, from, not, from, from there. And, right. Not all high sounding scared. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. sometimes my voice just sounds so squeaky, bro, that I'm just like, is that really me? I mean, yeah, it's me. That, but I don't listen to myself ever, bro. <laughs> I mean, I think your voice sounds great. It's all velvety smooth. Mine is... It's much more like cotton, you know? I mean, it's, but like Pima cotton, though. Actually, I was more so thinking like that rough cotton mix nah, of polyester mm-mm. that like it resembles cotton, but mm-mm, mm-mm. it's kind of itchy, mm-mm, you know? Mm-mm. That's the Pima cotton from like Peru or something, bro. Mm-mm. I don't even know if that's a thing, but it's going to be a thing now. Yeah, no, sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll yeah. take it. Hey, listen, man. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, so listen, man, um, we've been having a good time. Yeah. Good. Okay. 
Does this feel, does it feel a little weird to use those type of words given the context of the podcast, the conversations that we have? Because it's, mm. It just felt weird to me just now to be like, yo, I've been having a good time talking about what's been what you've described as the worst day of your life yeah. and what has been the worst stretch of my life by far. Yeah. yeah. You know what, man? I think it does fit, you know, and I get what you're saying, because it's like when you first say like, wait, what do you mean? This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, but hey, man, it's uh, even for us, we've been friends for a long time. Yeah. long time yeah um but i feel like this is pulling us even closer you Facts. know um so there's the building up aspect that's fun the healing aspect part of it is fun it's difficult to go through yeah like yeah. I, and for those of you watching i don't want you to think that we just sit down and then do this and just walk away it's draining to talk about it is bro you know yeah it is it really is draining yeah. to talk about but at the same time i look forward to it because I know that out of it, it more healing is going to come. Yeah, you know. So I think that's kind of the part that 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 does make it fun, and we get to sit around and and you know we we talk, do our serious talk, but it's nice to be able to hey, throw a little joke in there just real quick. You know, obviously nothing off color, but enough yeah. to make it comfortable. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think those words are accurate, man. Oh yeah, that, mm-hmm. I, I'm buying it. I am picking up what you're putting down, fam. We've had some time in between conversations. And to your point, after episode two, I was drained, broski. Mm. Like it's mm. it's exhausting to mm-hmm. to talk about this stuff. For as much as I've spoken about it already and different platforms, just to live in that space as frequently as we've been living in this space since we started the podcast. You're right. Mm-hmm. It's it's exhausting. But what I've enjoyed about it are the moments of like the dots connecting yeah oh in real time too oh man i hadn't thought about that i hadn't seen that Mm -hmm. um this hadn't made sense to me the significance of whatever so all of those things Mm -hmm. have been fruitful in that way yeah 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 100 percent, man just the processing that we're going through real time doing this means a lot means a lot because like you said we haven't necessarily taken the time to process these things so going through this and telling our stories and retelling our stories and then trying to look at it um and i don't even think even with the the questions that we're asking each other through this it's not for the purpose of entertainment it's just to talk about it like hey what were you thinking at that time Mm -hmm. How did that feel going through that? Because mm-hmm. these are things that we probably didn't think about. And like you, like I was saying, it helps us process it. So we left off last week with me getting ready to jump into the second miscarriage, you pausing and that moment of pause just opened up this great conversation that needed to happen. And I'm so glad that you paused it. I'm so glad that we had the conversation And that's one of those takeaways that I'm like, man, it's not just for me personally, it's not just a matter of telling the story for the sake of telling the story. It's Mm -hmm. a matter of processing, like putting my feet, even though I lived it, right? Mm -hmm. Putting my feet back on the ground inside of the story and just Mm -hmm. looking at different places that I had not looked before. Mm -hmm. Because clearly Mm -hmm. there is a, 
a system of thoughts and, and, and a sequence of events that shape, that form the story that I tell. And yeah. so I'm accustomed to it, especially since I've been talking about it for a while now. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. through this process, it's like, I want to say this and I feel comfortable saying that, but I haven't yet explored this part over here. So last yeah. week, I just want to reiterate that again, man. What you did last week was so powerful for me personally, because if you recall, at the end of, of the episode, I was like, man, all of the things that we said in terms of how we ought to process and allow ourselves to go through this process, bro, at that moment, I realized I hadn't done it yet about that first miscarriage. Mm -hmm. So hopefully Mm -hmm. we can, you know, continue to uh, stumble across moments like that. But it's been helpful for me to have that visual in mind since last week. We're going to immerse ourselves back in the story, but I really need to make sure that I put my feet on the ground and instead mm-hmm. of rushing through, I'll share this quick story with you, man. Mm-hmm. In 2006, mm-hmm. I was studying abroad in Italy, in Florence. One morning, I am on my way to class. Mm-hmm. Typical American, I am booking it. Bro, I wasn't even late for class. I was early as hell. I was just trying to get there <laughs> early enough so I can uh, uh, hop on the internet and like do God knows what. So I'm booking it. I am when I bro, I am booking it. The walk mm. from my apartment to the school was probably 10 minutes. Ooh. Yeah, probably 10 minutes, not even that much. Mm-hmm. If that, I was walking like a Ferrari amongst mm. all the people who were just like strolling. Mm. And I remember off in a distance, maybe about 25, 30 yards in front of me, I seen this couple, old Italian man, old Italian woman. My man had his hands on his back, like stereotypical movie scene of two Italian uh, uh, older people just kind of like strolling. And for some reason in the population of people in front of me, bro, they stood out because they were just coasting. They were just mm. strolling and chilling. And I am like, yeah, I'm booking it. I got to get to the school and hop on the internet and that. Right, right. For some reason, I remember them getting closer and closer and closer and closer to me until I passed them. Mm. Zoom right past them. And as soon as I zoomed right past them, I was like, hold on, man. That's the folks that I saw like two minutes ago, maybe about 25 to 30 yards in front of me. How the heck did I catch up to them so quickly? Mm -hmm. And that's when I took notice of how fast I was walking. Mm. So then I was like, okay, you know what? This afternoon after school, I'm going to come back to my apartment and then I'm just going to go back out into the city and I'm just going to walk like that old Italian man was walking and let's Mm -hmm. see what happens. So after school, I get back to the apartment, I drop my book bag, and then I go out, I put my hand behind my back, and I'm just strolling. Bro, did you know that in my stroll, I started to notice things that I was walking past on a daily basis at that time that I had never seen before? Little boutiques, little restaurants near where I was staying at. Just like little interesting things, little graffitis on the wall. I mean, just like really 
interesting things, dude, because I forced myself to, Kel, look to the left. Kel, mm. look to the right. Hey, yo, just kind of check out what's going on here. You haven't walked past the river in a while. So why don't you just go, just go see what's down there. Yo, yeah. I started to see the city, that section of the city, and so much came to life because I actually wow. took my time to look around. I wasn't in a rush. And I was actually in the spirit of exploring my surroundings. And so I say that to say that's something similar to what happened last week when you said, hey, man, before you jump into the second miscarriage, like, mm -hmm. let's talk about this thing right quick. Yeah. So that's that's the image that that comes to mind for me. Like, I need to make sure my feet are on the ground. Mm -hmm. My hands are behind my back mm. and I'm strolling. Mm. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Man. Poetic. Yeah. 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 Whew. I should be a poet. You should. Or work for Pixar. Yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. So if you're down for it, mm -hmm. I'll pass it over to you and uh you let you let us know where we headed to. Okay. Well, um, man, I, I think it since we talked about uh your first experience last time, let's delve into your second one. Um, so go ahead. Um, I don't and you pick up at wherever you think the story should, you know, um, I don't necessarily know if you have to revisit last week's in order to pick up. Uh, but if you do, I think that's fine, you know, but pick up wherever it is that you need to pick up in order to get us to that second miscarriage. If this is you jumping into this point of the podcast, listen to last week's episode. Yes. So that yes. everything that I'm going to say now can make more sense to you. Mm -hmm. So headed into the second pregnancy, Michelle and I were more, we were more tempered. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a part of this whole thing that is becoming more significant for me now, Chris, because mm -hmm. after that first announcement of a pregnancy that resulted in a miscarriage, mm -hmm. none of the other announcements meant the same. None of them had the same level of excitement, the same level of anticipation. Not to say that I was not excited, mm -hmm. but it was not that level of excitement that, oh, man, I'm going to be a dad. Because yeah. that dream of becoming a dad the first time just came crashing down as, as a result of, of the first miscarriage. So Michelle said that we were pregnant again. And I was like, okay, one thing that I didn't mention last week was when she announced to, to me the first time that I was going to be a dad, she did it by giving me this onesie. Oh, so she man. gave me this onesie that said, congratulations, you're going to be a dad. In fact, we recently found a onesie again. Wow. Yeah, we recently found it. So maybe in an upcoming episode, I'll have it here with me and then, and then I'll, I'll show you it. But yeah. so after that first miscarriage or... Before then, like I used to sleep with that onesie under my pillow, like, bro, you, you couldn't touch that onesie because that was my connection to my baby. Yeah. And then the miscarriage happened and we lost that pregnancy. So mm. that onesie just went into one of the drawers. Wow. So the second miscarriage, the second time she said that she was pregnant I brought the onesie back out. But again, it wasn't the same level of excitement. It wasn't the same level. It was me trying to, to create a same or a similar level of connection to that first pregnancy, which made it weird mm -hmm. because that onesie represented 
that first pregnancy, but now I'm trying to apply to the second one. And so yeah, yeah. It, it just felt, I was trying to, to feel connected in some way because mm-hmm. I felt so disconnected mm-hmm. for reasons that we already explored. We, um, you know, we, we, we go through the same motions, pregnancy test, reveal positive, cool. Hey, when are you going to make uh, an appointment with your, with your doctor? She made an appointment with, with her doctor and, you know, all of the blood work is showing that her pregnancy hormones are increasing. So, mm. you know, she's pregnant, all of that stuff. And then we go for the ultrasound mm. and there's no heartbeat. What's different about this one is that because of the expectation that I had in the first one, Again, mm-hmm. go back and listen to to that first episode, mm-hmm. which is episode two, because of that, you know, don't be surprised if the first one is not viable. And mm-hmm. I had built in my head that the second one was definitely going to be the one. Yep. Hearing those words now for the first time for me, I was crushed. Mm. Bro, that pain that I felt was something that I had never felt before Mm. because I was sure that this second one was going to be my baby. Yeah. Here's the other part about this. I'm someone who has vivid dreams at times, Mm -hmm. but I don't buy into like interpreting dreams or what the significance of a dream is. I just take notice of, wow, I had a really vivid dream. So let me just, let me just be, let me just be open to what might be happening without necessarily, you know, trying to, to go deep into like deciphering and that kind of stuff. Bro, this one time I dreamt in black and white. I don't know if you've ever dreamt in black and white. Wow. No. Yeah, dude. It trippy, trippy, trippy. One of the best dreams I had in black Mm. and white. Yeah, dude. It, it, It was great. It was great. I also had, now that we're here. I also had this dream that I was a samurai. Oh, no, that's awesome. Yeah, it was like a samurai mixed with a Western type movie. Like, I remember the dream. Like I came oh. sliding down this pole. I had my samurai sword. You know, I did my thing. And uh, I, 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 I I rescued the girl. I don't even know who the chick was, but I rescued the girl. Yeah. She's and, safe. And that's she's the important safe. thing. <laughs> And I'm walking out of this warehouse where I legit went kill Bill in the warehouse, bro. Oh, man. So I'm walking out of this warehouse and I have my sword in hand and shorty, you know, I'm carrying shorty, literally walking off (laughs) into the sunset. And once I get further away from this big old warehouse with all these mutilated bodies, the whole thing just blows up, boom. And then it's just like this freeze frame, like a Western, bro. That was a dream of mine. That was a dream. I was like, yo, I woke up and I was like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> no more burgers before bed. That's what that, so that is, or maybe more burgers or before may, bed. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Yo, that's so awesome. Uh, yeah, man. Like I've had some, I've had some vivid, vivid dreams. So yeah. I, I say all that to say when Michelle said that she was pregnant the second time, mm. I had so wanted to be a girl dad that I had this vivid dream. Mm. And here's the dream. 
I dreamt that I was in a delivery room. It mm-hmm. felt like a delivery room because in the dream, my wife had gone into labor. Now, I never mm-hmm. saw Michelle's face, but the woman who was going into labor in the dream, I knew that was my wife. Mm-hmm. So I am standing at a maybe a good five to 10 feet away from where she is, like laying back on this chair and about to, to push our baby out, my baby out. But in the dream, even though I was close enough to where she was, it felt like I was far away. Mm. So then I'm trying to get to her in time to catch my baby. And in the dream, I remember someone saying, are you going to hold the baby? And there was this male nurse who was in front of her. And I see the male nurse. And in my head, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to let another man catch my baby. So I'm trying to make my way to my wife in in time for me to catch this baby. I get there and she's pushing and she's pushing and she probably pushed like three or four times and out comes the most beautiful Chris, man, bro. I'm talking about it now and I'm seeing it. The most beautiful creature I have ever seen. This baby had the clearest, most bluest eyes I had ever seen in my life. And the baby was white. And in the dream, I didn't, like, it didn't matter to me that the Mm. baby was white. You know what I mean? Like, because obviously I'm a black man. Right. But in the dream, it was like, there was no sense of, hey, yo, who baby that is? Nah, that was, that was my baby. And it was a baby girl, bro. Chris, it was a baby girl, bro. And she looked at me with those beautiful, big, rounded, expressive blue eyes. Yeah. My guy. Once I held that baby in my hands in that dream, the emotions that welled up inside of me, I can't even describe, bro. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was, like my feet were leaving the ground. Chris. Wow. Like my entire being was just awakened with the love that I felt for this creature at that time. And I just started to cry, bro. And as I'm beginning to cry in the dream, I wake up and Mm -hmm. then I start to cry like in real life. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, I am going to have my baby girl this is me in real life now when when i woke up from that dream i was like i'm gonna have my baby girl mm-hmm. like there's no ifs or buts about it like i'm gonna have my baby girl Ooh. so when we get to the ultrasound and there is no heartbeat i am crushed mm. bro i am devastated because now in my mind again i'm not someone who tries to decipher dreams or whatever but yeah. that was too real yeah that it just felt too real. Like the, the mm. divide between real life and dream life was blurred, bro. Especially after me waking up, even though I woke up without a baby in my arms, but the yeah. emotions that I felt in that dream carried over into real life. And I was like, mm. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a girl dad. Wow. So at that moment, I was just like disoriented. Like what is going on? What do you mean there's no there's no heartbeat? This 
Like this can't be happening because the dream that I had a couple of nights ago, I mean, it, it was too real for it to end up in a miscarriage. So that's yeah. one layer. The other layer is because of the pain that I felt at that moment. Now that opened my eyes to, oh my God, this is what my wife was experiencing during the first time that we were here. Mm. How could I be so blind? How could I be so out of tune with this pain that I'm now feeling for the first time? She's feeling it for the second time. So this is what she was feeling when I was unrelenting in trying to get her to open up to me and not respecting her grief during the first. Kel, you are an absolute, forgive my French, bro. But I was like, Kel, you're an absolute dick. Mm. Like you are an asshole of all assholes Mm. because this is what you, like this is what she was going through, man. Yeah. And you couldn't even realize that. Like, what is, bro, the self-deprecating voice inside my head mm-hmm. had a, a a megaphone and it was mm. just shouting loud messages, man. Dude, you're all, all sorts of things, all yeah. sorts of things, Chris. So now I am, I'm in the space of disorientation. You know, am I, is this ever going to happen for me? Am I ever really going to be a dad? Because this is back to back now. Yeah. Like is, 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 am I even meant to be a father? And this is the moment, this is the first time that I started asking, you know, some, some deep questions, some existential questions about myself, about my faith, about God, about, about the whole nine dude, you know, like, am I being punished for, for the choices and decisions that I made, you know, back when I was, when I was younger, um, you know, I started reliving times of, of previous relationships that I had with, you know, previous girlfriends and stuff like that. One in particular who I did not necessarily, uh, end up treating, uh, with respect. And I was like, yo, is this, is this God's way of getting back at me for the way that I treated these women in my life? You know what I mean? Like, is this happening because I don't have a relationship with my father because I I'm resentful toward, well, at that time I wasn't resentful towards him, but because I used to be resentful towards my father. And, and I used to think that, you know, when I become a father that I'm going to be a much better man than he ever was. And, so is this God's way of like, you know, smacking me upside the head and saying, hey, yo, bro, relax with all that stuff. In fact, here is this curveball that I'm going to throw you. Let's see how you handle it. Like what what is what is the meaning of all of this? I yeah, couldn't find yeah. meaning in any of the things that I was feeling and that were happening at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, what is what does this mean for for Michelle? And I remember, you know, as a result of now better understanding how to relate to her now that we were in this familiar territory again, I gave her her space to grieve and to process. Mm-hmm. I checked in on her. Um, my wife is so gracious. She also checked in on me. And we started having, you know, little conversations here and there at the time 
checking in on each other. And bro, I'll never forget these words she said to me. She said, we were, we were in our bedroom talking and she said to me, I feel like instead of my womb being a place that sustains life, it's only a place that produces death. Oh. And when she said those words to me, it cut so deep yeah. because now I have an avenue and window into what this all means to my wife. Mm. So the guilt that I felt that I had started to feel because of how I mishandled that first one just deepened and magnified mm. when she said those words to me. Mm-hmm. because I wasn't able to cultivate an environment for her during the first one where she felt love and appreciated and, and respected and all of that. And so now that I'm feeling this, I almost felt guilty for feeling something because mm-hmm. man, like what gives me the, what gives me the right to feel something now? Mm-hmm. Is it because I had that stupid dream? And so now that that stupid dream didn't become a reality, now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, woe is me. This is her second time. Mm-hmm. So all of this is happening in my head, bro. So I don't know if you have any questions because I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, no, man. Um, I'm just thinking about everything that you've been saying and going back to the beginning about what you were saying about having that onesie that you were putting under your pillow wasn't wasn't going anywhere and then when you lost the first child you just put it away which at first i think is very emblematic of how you were handling that first situation that's a good point bro you you just put it away that's a good point yeah oh you know whoa chris i bro (laughs) yes yeah Yeah. bro you just put it in the way that you described it again kind of paints a picture of that because you just pulled it back out. Like you were just waiting to pull it back out that second time. And you did, you just pulled it back out and you, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like at the very beginning of all of this, you were really forcing yourself to get excited and it culminated in that dream. Mm-hmm. You know, you pulled it back out. You were trying to force that connection there again. And then that dream came. You know, and like you said, obviously we're not about to sit here talk about the spiritual nature of dreams and blah blah blah. Just thinking about it, just purely off what is going on with you mentally, it makes complete sense that you would have that dream because that's where you were pointing your mind to. You were trying to make that connection, and finally you have this dream and you grab onto it because you've been trying to make this connection, which makes it all that much more painful when you go into that room again and the thing that you now thought was sure because it was confirmed by your dream is now snatched away. That is like trying to climb up to Mount Everest, getting to the top and realizing that you weren't even climbing anything like that. That is hurtful. And then from there piling on more guilt, because now, like you said, you're thinking back on what things were like. You're thinking back 
on how things must have been for your wife. And now you hear her say that, which again, when she says that, she is telling you how she feels. Yeah. And it is uh, it's so interesting. And I think this is something that's really important to point out is how we as men do feel doubly guilty when we see our, our wives or our significant others or those that are special going through this. Because like you said, you didn't even feel like you had the right to feel that way. A, because of how you handled things the first time. But B, because now all of a sudden you had a very small insight into what it is that she was going through and how she felt about her own body. Now you have this guilt of, oh, no, I I wasn't there the first time. And now I'm here the second time, but I'm still I feel like I've allowed this. Like, how did you navigate that overall feeling of guilt? And is that something that you've been able to work past? Because I feel like that's something that sticks with you for a long time. Hearing you say what you said and the way that you said it, again, is just connecting so many different things for me. In that moment, I don't think I, I don't think I knew how to handle any of it. Mm. What I knew that I didn't want to do again was what I did the first time. Mm-hmm. So I knew that for a fact. Like I knew I didn't want to treat my wife in such a way that resembles anything from the first experience. If that meant me holding my feelings to myself, Mm -hmm. if that meant me creating an environment for her to open up and and express her feelings and and what have you and, and connect with her in ways that I didn't before, then I would do that. But it didn't feel right for me to voice anything of my own because in my head I had because of the perception of this is the first time that I am feeling this, even though this is our second miscarriage, Mm -hmm. this is her second time in two pregnancies. This is my first time in two. This is her second in two. Mm -hmm. So we're not even on the same plateau. Mm. That was my perception. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I allowed myself to let that dictate what I did and what I didn't do and how I, I proceeded to be supportive to her at the expense of the things that I was feeling. I feel like not only that, because and I think this is a a big thing with us as men when our spouses have a miscarriage, lose that baby. The guilt of, of course, wishing you could do more, but also the guilt of feeling for yourself. If that makes sense, it makes one. It makes total sense, dude. Yeah, because you know. I, what you're talking about is the thing that I'll name it. This is the second time that she is experiencing this. Mm -hmm. This is what she says. She feels like emotionally. Yeah. This is the way that she feels like she's relating to her, her body right now, her ability or inability to, to sustain life in her womb. Mm. Bro, I don't have to deal with that. Mm. I don't, I don't have to deal with that. Who gives me the right? What gives me the right? to say anything, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we could talk about 
So let me just fast forward to to solidify the point. Yeah. So then we go to to the second uh, D and C, and this is when things just started to open up for me. We get there. I am, bro, I am sitting there in that small room with her, mm. with the weight of the world on my shoulder mm. because I'm grieving the fact that we've lost another pregnancy. I'm asking myself all sorts of questions about who I am as a man, as a, you know, I'm not even able to get to, to, to give my wife a healthy sperm. Ooh. Ooh. You feel me? Like this, this wow. is me. Th these are the thoughts in my head. I'm feeling horrible because I didn't support her during that first miscarriage and the way that she needed to be supported. Mm -hmm. I, bro, I am feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders. Mm. We're in this very small room and we're waiting for the uh, physician to walk in to get her consent so that she can, he can take her back to, to have this, this DNC, this procedure to remove yeah. the, the tissue from, from her body. We're not saying anything. We're just there. I'm holding her hand. And when the physician walks in, you know, I let go of her hand. He walks in and he has this, uh, I don't know if she was a fellow or resident, but, mm -hmm. she, but he has somebody else with her. Now, mm -hmm. this is a white physician who walks in. The person who is with her is a, a black woman. Mm -hmm. The room is so small that she physically cannot fit in the room with the door closed. Wow. Okay. So we're in a, we're in a small room. We're in a small room wow. because the door behind where Michelle is sitting is the OR. Yeah. So I'm sitting with my back towards a wall. I'm so close to Michelle that we were able to, to hold each other's hand from that wow. distance. Wow. So homie walks in. And there's a little stool off to the right side of, of Michelle, and he sits on the stool. Now, the room is really small, mm -hmm. right? So I understand that the way that you kind of position yourself in the room, it, it, it matters. Yeah. But homie walks in, he grabs the stool, he looks at me, he grabs the stool, and he positions, he positions himself with his back toward me. And then he starts talking to Michelle and he starts mm -hmm. asking her, you know, all these questions and taking his assessment and explaining the procedure and all of that stuff. The resident or fellow or whoever she was, she's sitting, she's standing there at the door. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm waiting for the moment where this man gives a word of empathy or a word of some type of word to acknowledge my presence in the room being there with my wife. Mm. So I look at her and I don't remember why I looked at her and she looked at me, we made eye contact and then mm. she did this. She nodded. Mm. She acknowledged me. So I was like, okay, so I am here. Yeah. Somebody sees me here. I am seen. Right. This man speaks to my wife. He gets her consent. He gets up. He walks out of the room and he doesn't say a single word to me. 
Wow. Bro, it's as if I was not in the room. Wow. It's as if I didn't exist because the person that he came to see and talk to was sitting across from me on that chair. Yeah. So it doesn't matter who's in there. He only has one focus, that person. It doesn't matter why we're here. He only has one job, get her consent to get her back there and do this thing. Very matter of factly. So the fact that the, the, the woman who was with him saw me, we made eye contact. She nodded and acknowledged me with how I was feeling, made me feel like I was human for the first time. Wow. It made wow. me feel like I had a reason to feel the things that I was feeling. She didn't mm. say a word to me, bro. She just saw me and just mm. nodded her head in acknowledgement. Mm. That's it. I don't know if she was trying to, you know, scratch her, 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 I, bro. I, I don't know if she did it. I, it doesn't matter. It, bro, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't matter. The mm-hmm. fact that we made eye contact and then she nodded in acknowledgement mm-hmm. in contrast to what homeboy did, mm-hmm. that meant the world to me because of the get, way that I was feeling. Right. And if you could just pause for a minute because... In that interaction, right? Because now we have these two interactions in both of these miscarriage stories where we have awful bedside manner. The first time it's the woman who was very cold matter of fact about it. Again, same thing Kelly's been saying. Go back, listen to episode two so you can get caught up. But now this time, it's a man. And like you said, it's not just any man. It's a white man. (laughs) I don't want to call it bro code, but there is kind of a thing between men where we just have an understanding where we acknowledge each other, especially if it's a situation like I know if I'm in a room and I am supposed to interact with someone's wife. Talk about I acknowledge the husband's presence. Talk about it. It has nothing to do with ownership of a woman or anything. Nothing. It's just respect, simple respect for who this man is in her life. There is an authority, not authority over a woman. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. But there is an authority that that man has in that room legally mm. that also needs to be respected mm-hmm. because that is her husband. Now, even let's, let's get out of the legal part. Let's say it's just a boyfriend. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That person's significant other is there. And if I'm going to be speaking to this this woman this 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 woman who is going through this, I must acknowledge that special someone that is with her in the room because it's special to her, but also because there is something <laughs> that he is getting ready to do that is so sacred <laughs> in terms of what has happened, the things that he has to ask, the areas that he needs to touch that are sensitive. And I don't want to say it's like asking for permission, but showing that respect between men, it's it's just an unspoken rule. I agree 100%, dude. Like yeah. even me in my practice where I work at, mm-hmm. when I walk into a room, mm-hmm. in fact, this happened to me not too long ago. I walked mm-hmm. into a room and there's the kiddo's mom who's there. Mm-hmm. So obviously she's the only one in the room. I'm talking to her, not a problem. Mm-hmm. The door opens And her husband walks in, 
Yo, I mm. stopped talking to her for a little bit. I introduced mm -hmm. myself to him, mm -hmm. shake his hand, get him caught up in the conversation yes. that was going on before he walked in. Mm -hmm. And then as I pick up from where I left off with her, I'm looking now at both her and him. Yes. And I'm making sure that I'm having eye contact with both of them and mm -hmm. addressing him, addressing her, asking him questions, giving him an opportunity to talk while also. So it's just a matter of there are multiple people in the room, even though you mm -hmm. came to talk to one person, it doesn't mm -hmm. hurt to just look at the other person, to just acknowledge the other person, to just ask yep. a simple question like, who is this person? Is this mm -hmm. your husband? Is this your mm -hmm. boyfriend? Is this your, your partner? Is mm -hmm. this your friend? Is this your brother? Is this like, who mm -hmm. is this other being that's in the room? Yes. Uh, it, it's, it's not, yes. it's not that hard, bro. Not at all. It, it's really not that hard. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So his not acknowledging my, my presence in the room at the time mm -hmm. compounded with how I was feeling about myself at the moment internally Yes. Just yes. solidified for me that I had legitimately no reason to be feeling the things that I'm feeling mm -hmm. because clearly the only person who is important in this whole equation is my wife. Yeah. Yeah. And so that reinforced even further for me the need to withhold what my expressions could be. Mm -hmm. Because now mm -hmm. there was this fear factor that started to develop in my mind, being mm. fearful of saying anything. Mm. And that was both an internal thing as mm -hmm. well as an external thing. Yeah. Right. Like there were internal reasons why I felt that way, because if I open my mouth and say something, is she going to be like, really, you're going to feel this way now after, you know, what happened, how you treated me the last time? And not to say that my wife is that way because she's not. That was mm -hmm. just the reality in my mind, right? Yeah. The, the fear that produced the fear of speaking up mm. because mm. of that. And then now there's this external factor of this person who comes in, this doctor, this physician who comes in, who's going to vacuum out of my wife, my child. Yes, yes. And he doesn't even give me the decency of looking at me as the father of this life that is not materialized. Yeah. And Kelly, that gotta, hurt, bro. That hurt. I got to take it a step further um, because I think we'll be doing all of our viewers a disservice, whether you're white or black, to acknowledge that racial tension that's there because what our white brethren have to understand, and I say brethren because if you don't try to listen to this or don't understand, then that doesn't include you. But for our white brethren, you have to understand the history behind something like that, an interaction like that, because this does go back to slavery in terms of uh, uh, the master or whoever, um, how you are interacting with your slaves, how you are interacting with black people, right? Um, they're property. They are not human. In that moment, you said, I, it took me looking at this other black woman and her nodding it and acknowledging my presence to feel human. Mm. There's that other level of it because here is a white man in a position of power who, like you said, is now getting ready to 
to suck out your unborn child. This is something that would happen all the time back then. And it wasn't because of an unborn child. It was, I'm getting ready to sell y'all and sell y'all to different places. It's a very deep-seated issue. And for my white brothers that are listening to this, please make sure that when you are going around, um, especially when you have, you have, I'm sure a lot of you guys are going to have your black friends and all that kind of stuff. If you met a black woman and that black woman is married, acknowledge that, that black man. I'm not saying that you have to acknowledge that he's black. I'm saying make sure that you acknowledge him because in those situations, it is a lot deeper. And it, that, that pain runs a lot harder because that element is now placed on top of it. So I'm not trying to alienate anyone from this podcast, but I think it's important to make that point and make sure that that is said um, because that is an extra hurt that is piled on top of it. It's like uh, rubbing more salt into the salty wound already. But getting back to what you were saying, Kelly, and saying how hurt you were just by that interaction, how did that affect the rest of that procedure for you? The rest of that day, and obviously I want you to move forward with the story, but just kind of keeping that in mind, like how did that impact your mindset through the rest of that procedure, the rest of that day? What was the saving grace is that even Michelle took notice of what that interaction was like. Mm. Because when he walked out, I just looked at her and bro, Mm. I felt so defeated at that moment. Mm. And I just looked at her and then she said to me, did that really just happen? Mm. So her saying that reset everything for me. Oh, okay. So I'm not making this up. I'm not over-exaggerating here. Mm -hmm. She saw that there was no way, shape or form Mm -hmm. that this person could walk into this room and not acknowledge me, but she saw it happen. She saw it Mm. so much so that she was like, you need to write when they send us, she said, when they send Mm me uh, the the survey Mm -hmm. of how the visit went, She's like, I'm going to make, I'm going to forward it to you so that you can respond to it and make sure you write about this, this event. So she saw it. That meant everything to me. Yeah. Right. Because I didn't make it up. I'm not over exaggerating. I'm not letting what happened before magnify something so small. No, it's not small. It's, it's a big deal. Like it Mm -hmm. happened. Yeah. So, so that was that. When I said earlier that that was when my eyes really started to open up about what this experience is like from the standpoint of me as a father. Mm-hmm. Like that was the, that's where the seed was planted. Mm. I can't be the only one who has had this experience. Yeah. I can't be the only one who comes in feeling whatever it is I'm feeling for the reasons that I'm feeling those things Mm -hmm. and not have someone at least acknowledge, not have someone at least consider that, hell, I'm hurting too. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I can't be the only one. Yeah. It's, I, I, I just, I couldn't fathom that. I, I couldn't, I couldn't sit there and, and especially the fact that I had to write, you know, this thing, this retell this story in the survey that honestly speaking, I don't think it went anywhere. You know what I mean? Mm, I think it, it was just didn't. like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, tell us how the visit went. 
And then mm-hmm. I made this complaint and it was like, cool, thanks for letting us know. And um, yeah, I mean, because I'm sure on there and oh, I was just busy that day. Sorry, you don't have the luxury of just being busy that day. Again, I'm going to go back to what I said last episode. You chose to be there. Yeah. I didn't choose to be here. I didn't choose to be here. Mm-hmm. I didn't choose to have a miscarriage. My wife yeah. didn't choose to have a miscarriage. We didn't choose mm-hmm. to be here. We would we would have rather never met that guy. Yeah. We would have yeah. rather never been in that practice. I would have rather never had that sister look at me and acknowledge me. I, mm. My life could have been perfectly okay without mm-hmm. any of those events happening. Yeah. I could have been perfectly fine mm-hmm. without my wife saying to me after the fact, after her mm-hmm. second DNC, that even on a regular day, she still felt the internal suction of the procedure of wow. this life being sucked out of her. Like my life would have been perfectly fine without wow. any of those things. And so to go back to the reason why I fast forwarded to the story in the first place and to round out that point that I was making. Yeah. Because she had physical effects, after effects rather, right? Like her body was was intruded. Her body was was put under this procedure for a second time where she had this after effect of an internal suction, bro. Like, I don't know what that feels like, homie. Yeah. I I have zero category for even understanding what that is like. Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't have anything. I have zero. I have nothing. The only thing that I have remotely, and that's not even close, bro, was when I was way younger, I had some Mm -hmm. issue and I had an enema. And, but Mm -hmm. that's not even... You know what I mean? Not like close. she bro, yeah. she was feeling a pool. Wow. Like way after the fact, she was feeling the pool as if the 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 material, the not the material, the uh, the tools that were being used to do this procedure, like she was walking around feeling like she was still, I don't know, attached to or being viol- not violated, but invaded by. So I don't know what that feels like. So then why is it now all of a sudden I'm going to, you know, feel like it's okay for me to say that, oh, this hurts me too. Oh, this, you know, everybody look at me, look at me. Even what I'm saying now, like homie not acknowledging me, like why, why am I making a big deal of it? Why is that, that now important? Why? Just because again, just because I had that stupid dream. Just because I had created this expectation in my mind that, you know, because the first pregnancy was not viable, I had convinced myself that the second one was for sure going to be viable and it wasn't. So I tricked myself into believing something that was not true. And so that gives me the right, that gives me the the the, the green light, the platform to be able to say something when my body's not the one that's been intruded by these things where... This is not the second time that I'm feeling this. This is the first time. Like, mm-hmm. Kel, who the hell tells you that it's okay for you to say any of these things? Right. right. That's what was going on in my head. I think it's because of comparing, right? And feeling like because my pain is not the same, it is therefore not pain. 100% broski. Yeah. And that couldn't be further from the truth, right? 
Right. That couldn't we be have, further from the truth. Right. Our pain is just different. It's just different. But it's still pain. It doesn't have to be on the same level, you know? And I think that's what kind of what both of us going through this, our understanding, is, as a man and as well, it's not the same, you know? But it's almost like, just like her pain is different from yours, your pain is also different from hers. And it should still be explored. And it still needs healing, a different type of healing. But it still needs healing nonetheless. Because it's great for us to make sure, making sure that we are uh, are there for our, our, our women, protecting our loved ones and making sure that they are good. Um, but sometimes we do that at the expense of ourselves. And if we are not healed at the end of the experience, it's just as dangerous as not helping with them because, Hey, great. Uh, you know, uh, they're, they're walking back, back on, on two feet, you know, mentally there and everything. But here we are still struggling because we haven't faced it. Still dealing with that pressure, still dealing. I mean, could you imagine? I'm, I'm sure that some of that guilt still comes up from time to time, Facts, but n- not in the way that it was because you've just taken some time to deal with some things. Now, if you had never thought about it, never tried to deal with it. And I think it's something we kind of mentioned a little bit is how that pressure and how those things lead to unhealthy ways of coping. Some of those unhealthy ways of coping can completely end your marriage, can completely end your relationship. So, and and so it's just as important for us as men to acknowledge our own pain because it's different. It's our own pain and to be able to, express and feel okay saying, yeah, I'm hurting. I understand not trying to say like, I hurt too, right? Because I feel like when you say I hurt too, it's almost like trying to combine them. But you know, I, hey, you're hurting. You know what? This this, this hurt me in this way. Um, maybe it gives us a chance because, you know, it's funny. Going through all this, man, uh, I realized I hadn't even talked to Amber about anything. <laughs> mm. Anything maybe that's kind of the moment where you get to share mm-hmm. because there are things shared with me, you know, just like Michelle was sharing things with you. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can't give life that in my body, I give death. That is a deep feeling. That's a deep feeling, bro. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and she took the time at that moment to share it with you, mm-hmm. you know? So there's your moment too, to say, honey, I don't know what that feels. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, I'm sorry for not being there before. Um, but you know, I, I'm I'm just so sad because now all the plans that I've had are gone. You know, all the things that I'm feeling are gone. I feel like uh, I was trying to protect you and I couldn't. There's an opportunity, you know, to be able to open up more, to be able to share more. I, I think it'll make it'll make make relationships stronger personally. Listen, I, you you're saying something that I strongly believe in. Comparison is not the way forward to create connection and understanding. Yes, yes. Because mm-hmm. my experience is never going to be equal to or like that of Michelle, mm-hmm. because Michelle is her own person. Yeah. Michelle is a woman. The implications of this event are different for her than they are mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Like that is a given. And I think we spend way too much time by we, I mean the way that I responded to it 
I think society, um, it, we, the collective we, we spend way too much time trying to argue the apples and oranges thing mm-hmm. as if they were equal, not realizing that, yo, it truly is apples and oranges, yeah. but that doesn't minimize the fact that they're both fruit. Facts. Facts. They're both fruit. And I think that's mm-hmm. what you just said, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. Yep. I'm not going to sit or lay on some OR table and have this procedure, this vacuum, you know, shoved inside of me to do whatever or however it happens. Like, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. I, that's not that's not part of my experience. Yeah. My body doesn't have to go through that. Mm-hmm. So that's a given. However, the pain that I feel is also pain. Yes. yes. The after effects of this miscarriage are also my after effects. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So by acknowledging that your experience is what it is, and man, there are parts of it that I will never understand. Mm-hmm. There are parts of my experience that she will never understand. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. my wife doesn't know the thoughts that go inside my head as a man for how yeah. I see myself as a man. Yeah. Because she's not a man. You know, it's funny. Me and Amber were talking about something really similar just the other day. And she was saying, you know, I she has a, a, a black female therapist. And she was like, you know, I understand. I mean, well, I just shouldn't say we're talking about something totally different because we were talking about the podcast, right? And she was like, I understand you wanting to do this because you need another man to talk to. Mm in order to understand because I don't know what it's like to be a man. She's, and she said pretty much what you just said. Just like you don't know what it's like to be a woman, I don't know what it's like to be a man. Mm-hmm. And so it's so important for you to share that perspective because it's important for us all to understand. And I think that's why, <laughs> now, now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, I think that's probably why I said what I said in terms of those I have, I have perspectives. I guess I have to give that entire spiel I gave earlier to my wife, Amber. Shout out to my wife. Yes. <laughs> I am not original. She is. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. but just having my wife acknowledge that's okay. Mm-hmm. So needed. And and the, fe- the second thing that you said too that, that I want to highlight is that mm-hmm. this is the missed opportunity part. Yeah. Because a lot of men don't know what to say to their partners. I didn't know what to say to Michelle. And that's okay. Yeah. It, it is entirely okay. Mm-hmm. The, op- the missed opportunity is exactly what you highlighted. When your partner opens up and mm-hmm. shares something deep about how she's feeling, mm-hmm. ride that coattail and share mm-hmm. something deep about how you're feeling. Yeah. And it's not necessarily like a tit for tat or any, it's, it's nothing like that. It's right. a window of opportunity that's opened up. For you to do to say something that you do know how to say, because even by saying, I don't know what I'm feeling right now, is you telling this person Mm -hmm. that you're feeling something, you Mm -hmm. just don't know how to put it into words yet. Yes. But what you're communicating Mm -hmm. to her is that you're also being impacted by this, like this matters to you. This means something to you as well. Yes. Right. And that's the only thing that not the only thing, but that's, I think the primary thing that she needs to know 
does he care? Yes. Does, yes. does this matter to him as much as it matters to me? And even if you don't know how to be poetic, like Chris and I are, and all of that stuff, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't. It, it, doesn't. it really just, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Just it, 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 it's not even mm-hmm. as much as what you say as it is what you're communicating. Yeah. Listen, babe, I, I, I can't even put my thoughts into, into words right now. Yeah. I, 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 I really don't know how to tell you what I'm feeling right now mm-hmm. that communicates. I am, I am trying my best to process through whatever it is I'm feeling. It communicates to her that you are actually feeling something mm-hmm. and is communicating to her that you're not trying to hide anything from her, that you're not trying to not talk to her about anything mm-hmm. in the moment right now. Mm-hmm. You're acknowledging that something is going on, but mm-hmm. give me time to figure out how to say it, what yeah. to say. But I want you to know that you're feeling something. I'm feeling something. You're hurting. I'm hurting. Like these are the things that get communicated when we take advantage of these windows of opportunities. Yes. And, and I remember, bro, like that's that's what I started doing with with Michelle. You know, every time that we would check in with each other and she would say something to me and I would share something back. Um, I remember immediately after that, unfortunately, I had to go to work, mm-hmm. which we could, you know, spend another episode or two talking about what it's like having to live as if this event didn't just happen to you. But um, I went oh, to work. <laughs> I went to work. And like I said, I'll repeat it again here. I work in a pediatric setting. Mm. So I walked into work and I see all these people with their kiddos. And mind you, they're not doing well, many of them, Mm. right? But I see all these families, all these dads with their kids. And my wife is home by herself. Mm. And that didn't sit well with me emotionally and mentally. Yeah. So I had to reach out to my supervisor at the time and I was like, hey, I need I need to go home. I, I need to be with my wife. Like yeah. there's I I left her emotionally dry the first time. Mm. This time around, I can't let her go through this by herself. So yeah. even if she needed her space, even if we didn't say anything to each other, I needed to be in the same house. Yes. In the same yes. vicinity. I needed yeah. her to know that I was there. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I came back home. I laid on, on the bed next to her. I asked her what she needed. She said she was fine. I told her, you know, I'm going to give you your space because I wanted to make sure I gave her her space this time. Yeah. I'm going to give you your space. I'll be downstairs. If you want to talk, if you need anything, just let me know. I'll be downstairs. And I don't remember anything after that point. Dude, now we need a part three. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we need a part three. This is this is so good, man. This is so good. Uh, and it's and I, I think what's beautiful is is ending it with now everyone has an understanding as to why we're here. Yes. Um, you know, um an origin story, if you will. As as we use in superhero terms, yeah. you know, um, and I, I think 
just, just, I'm obviously not saying you're a superhero, right? Because they don't exist. I mean, but you know, um, Batman's real, but you know, like, um, <laughs> what kind of <laughs> it, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, <laughs> the reason heroes have origin stories is because something happened to them and they want to help. And that's what this is. Something happened to you, bro. And you use that to say, this bad thing has happened to me. I want to help so I can help someone either avoid it or navigate through it. So where do we go from here? I guess the next time we we link up again, we can try Mm -hmm. to wrap it together the third and the fourth one bro it's just gonna have to be four parts let's i'm let's just not even set the expectation this is a four-part story okay yeah that's that's fine bro thank you again man thank you for for um enduring these conversations with me and for the insight that you brought out for me and just putting things together that I wasn't like that onesie piece. I'm going to think about that piece, bro, because that emblematic is absolutely right. It, it's absolutely right, bro. I'm going to share that with Michelle right now, as a matter of fact. I, absolutely right. What, what you said. So so that was spot on. Again, we want to say thank you to you for tuning in and being part of this conversation, being part of this journey. Places you can find us, you can find us and follow us on TikTok at The Miscarriage Dads. On Instagram, The Miscarriage Dad, you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and some of the other places. You can watch it on YouTube. We really appreciate feedback that we've been receiving uh, so far about the episodes and and the conversations and, and the podcast, the platform in general. So thank you very much. Wherever you're listening or watching to this podcast, please leave us a review Share with us your comments and your thoughts. You can email us at the miscarriage dads, uh, the miscarriage dad, sorry, at gmail.com. And again, we'll open the invitation to anyone who wants to share their story. If you want to join us as a guest, we'll be delighted to have you. If you don't want to make a public appearance and you just want to share a parts of your story, parts of your thought, you can email us and then we will read on a future episode the things that you've sent to us or if you just want to interact chat with us one-on-one like however we can be of service to you we want to make ourselves available for that chris any parting words uh no love you guys and glad we're doing this thing so thank you and until next time